You are listening to Feminist Current. I'm Megan Murphy. Today on the show, I'm speaking with Bertie Rose, a UK-based artist from Essex who has been subject to an ongoing hate campaign on account of her advocacy for women and women's rights in her work. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. I I really don't know very much about you beyond your art and, um, you know, I know a bit about your politics, obviously, but tell me a bit about yourself. Tell me a bit about your history and how you came to be, um, you know, who you are today. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big question. I've been alive a long time. <laughs> I suppose in terms of, you know, your your artwork and and the uh, politics, I suppose, you discuss online, which which have a bit to do with women's rights, criticisms of gender identity, ideology, um, free speech, things like that. Okay, well, I think a lot of those things are integrating themselves into my art as I go along. I think I'm mainly just sort of... um, With with my art, I've been an artist for a long time, so I've been an artist for about 10 years now. And um, I... Initially, I just did a lot of paintings and drawings, and then I started the digital medium last year, and that's opened up a lot of doors because I can do a lot of things quicker on the internet with the paintings and the drawings. I have to, or I used to have to go through a lot of processes to get that onto a digital format, and now it's already digital, so I can just whack it out on the internet. So it's easier for me to. Um, express my views through my art but I don't always have to do that and I don't think artists should always do that either I think it could be dangerous I I wonder how you first got involved in do do you identify as a feminist no no I did do you know what I wanted to for a while and I didn't dare identify myself as a feminist for some reason and then I sort of decided that it's for the best that I don't because I don't really align entirely with feminists if that makes sense mm-hmm. well it does make sense to me but tell me more about that for you and and tell me about why you feel that way well okay so when I really wanted to sort of align with feminists and I I felt like um, maybe after the Me Too movement I felt a bit more of an awakening towards what women go through and how we're treated and then I noticed that a lot more women were speaking up and I thought okay this could be the bit where I become friends with women because I wasn't really massively friends with women (laughs) earlier in my life. Like maybe I could have a lady friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah maybe I could have a lady friend but I think it's um there was a lot of answers that were given through feminism on the internet because I I started to think about how we're somewhat conditioned through films and things like that to not really like other women so that made a lot of sense and a lot a lot of things made sense to me and it it sort of slotted into place and then some things didn't make sense to me but I didn't want to 
call it out necessarily because I've just found my women friends and I didn't want to lose them. But as time goes on, I'm getting better at just saying something's bullshit if I think it's bullshit, if that makes sense. There's a lot of things that have gone on, though. Like, I got I got really into sort of like... I really respected the radical feminist side of things. I think I still do to an extent. And um, that came about when I started getting into the women's rights issue. And that happened because on Facebook, I wrote about how I got diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm -hmm. And immediately there was some dude online who I vaguely knew in real life, but I didn't really know him that well. And he got really upset because I didn't include trans women in my status about polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I just politely told him that you have to have ovaries to have an ovary disease. And he became irate. Like, he was so pissed off, he couldn't believe it. And then he went off on a rant about how I'm a Nazi and I'm worse than the white supremacists in South Africa and things like that. And... That piqued me. I sort of already knew stuff was going on because I had some friends that were wise to it already. But I didn't realise it would affect me or affect anybody really because I thought it was sort of a fringe issue. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk to you more about what happened when you started talking about things like biological sex um, but tell me a bit more. Um, you earlier said that there were some things that didn't really make sense to you about feminism. What kind of things? Um, okay, so one of the things that doesn't make sense to me about feminism is the idea that there's this thing called the patriarchy that renders us all helpless to our own destiny as women. I'm not sure what that actually means. I went along with it for a while because actually the word patriarchy is convenient in some respect because it encapsulates everything that's wrong. So it's a way of saying this thing's wrong and I don't know what how to articulate it, so I'm going to call it patriarchy, but I don't actually know what patriarchy is. I've had a lot of discussions with women about it and some of them are feminists, some of them are not. And I've had some interesting Um, ideas about what patriarchy is one of the ideas that came up is that it's a symbol so I thought that was a good way of putting it so you're just using that word symbolically so then if we're talking about the patriarchy being um, this thing that renders us all sort of unable to determine our own destiny as women because the men then we need to know exactly who it is that are the men that are controlling it because I want to have a word with them and tell them to stop it, you know. But it's not it's not that simple and it didn't make a lot of sense. And then there's other things that you get onto, especially if you're on Facebook and stuff like that, if you're in groups, you get more into sort of fringe discussions and fringe arguments. And there's things that I didn't like, such as, you know, the discomfort around talking about the fact that you don't hate men. That is not good. I don't like that. <laughs> um and then Do you there's mean, other like, things. Like when you say the discomfort around talking about the fact you don't hate men, do you mean like people would get defensive if you said you didn't hate men? 
Yeah, and it's not necessarily that people, or specifically that feminist women, do hate men explicitly or want you to hate them as much as they do. Some people do, but some don't. It's more the fact that I'm not going to just blame everything on men because sometimes it's not as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes with some parts of feminism, not all parts of feminism, you can walk into, it feels like there's lots of, like there's a big feminist house and there's lots of feminist rooms and each room is a different bit and you can walk in one where you have to hate men or you're not welcome in that room and then there's another room where it's okay to not hate men but then they've got something else they're a bit weird about and so you it's like, does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know if that makes sense. I mean, I suppose I People find... can share no, no, it, it it makes sense to me. I mean, especially maybe for people who are sort of newer to feminism or feminism online, I think that what they encounter in, say, you know, various feminist Facebook groups would probably be pretty confusing because they can be pretty divergent in terms of what their focus is. Um, but they can also be quite hostile, so I don't find that those are very welcoming spaces per se. Um, but I, I, I will say that I think um, on the on the hating men thing, I, I, what I find is that it's sort of acceptable in some feminist circles. Um, again, not all to just you know. Yeah, blame men for everything or blame the patriarchy for everything, which I think is a really oversimplistic analysis that doesn't really parse for me in the West in any case. I mean, I think that there certainly are patriarchal cultures and patriarchal religions that exist around the world, um, wherein literally... women don't have autonomy, you know, like in Saudi Arabia, for example, or maybe if you're like a Hasidic Jew or, um, you know, Islam is a patriarchal religion. But I think when we're talking about places like, you know, I'm Canadian, and you're talking about places like Canada, it stops making so much sense to say, you know, like, oh, we live in a patriarchal country because we don't live in a patriarchal country, which is not the same thing as saying that sexism doesn't happen or misogyny doesn't happen or male violence against women doesn't happen. Um, But, you know, technically we women have equal rights and are free to live autonomous lives in places like Canada um, and, you know, you know, depending on what your family situation is like or your cultural situation or your religious situation. But legally, in a legal sense, in a systemic sense, you know, I think feminists really like to say the word systemic a lot, too, and I'm not entirely sure <laughs> they know what that means. I, you know, these are things that I used to say all the time, too. So I'm not just going around pointing fingers. This is something like I'm pointing oh, my no, finger at myself. Oh, no, I used to say it, know? too. <laughs> I, d- I definitely went for a phase of... Um, jumping in the deep end and I did I did blame the patriarchy for everything and then I thought about it and I thought well I don't know what the patriarchy is but I don't want to tell anyone I don't want to know what the patriarchy is it's a bit like being at a party and being like yeah I know that band they're really cool and then you don't actually know the songs yeah does anyone I don't know if anybody else has been that much of a dickhead but I have before oh I'm sure we've all been that much of 
<laughs> Dickheads. <laughs> Anyone who says that they're not is probably lying, unless they're like, I don't know, we're very mature, fully formed human beings with all sorts of integrity when they were like in their 20s, which I just find a little that hard to believe. That doesn't exist. <laughs> no, that doesn't exist. Um, Those people are psychopaths and murderers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so tell me, I mean, but you do you do advocate for women's rights, so I guess maybe yeah, you see absolutely. that as different. I do from support women. Feminism. So tell me about that. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I see it as necessarily different from feminism. I would say that feminism is about supporting women's rights and supporting women, but I just don't see myself as strictly a feminist because I I hesitate to call myself one because I worry about it becoming sort of ideological and I don't want to tie myself down in that sort of way because I feel like, sort of, especially with the gender identity argument, I've stepped away from being on like the hardcore left. I come from the really hardcore left and I didn't realise how how much on the left I was. I don't come from pretty hardcore roots. And um I kind of stepped away from that and now I'm hesitating to go anywhere near anything that remotely wants to tell me what to do or what to think. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. That's that is the nuts and bolts of it really. I mean I suppose I would interpret that as you know, because I, I've felt similarly and expressed this in the past, I don't know, year or two, um, which is that I prefer not to attach myself to a particular ideology because then it feels like you have to analyze everything in one particular way. And I prefer to challenge myself more than that and to yeah. think more critically and be open to various analyses and and you know facts and data and statistics and so on and so forth that may not fit within this particular framework yeah yeah that's exactly how i feel as well i think that i i would prefer to ask more questions and have more discussions than to be given what i should think or be given all of the answers if that makes sense and actually being given some answers does help to some extent like I said before about when I first sort of started reading a lot of feminism online it did give me a lot of answers to a lot of things and it did resolve some things in my mind about how things in my life have gone as a woman but I don't want to have to adhere to a particular school of thought right That makes sense to me. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about what happened when you perhaps accidentally got involved in the gender identity debate because you happened to mention that only women have ovaries. Um, <laughs> what, what happened after I didn't that? Even, I, mean? I didn't even just say that. I just said that you have to have ovaries to have an ovary disease. Oh, okay, okay. I mean that is. But a crazy I did say, but say. I did also say that you have to be female to have ovaries, uh-huh. you know, functioning ovaries that could be diseased. Yeah, well, you're an extremist, <laughs> um, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> so, according, like, according to your website, you've been the target of a harassment campaign, I think, for like a few years now. Is that right? <laughs> 
Yes, yeah, and, it's been at least over a year. Okay, and the and you were targeted by not just like randos on the internet, but people who you used to be friends with. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, there's been is- there's been issues there. Yeah, definitely. So what? It's happened? been ongoing, and well, there's tw- the posts you see on the blog. They came out of nowhere. And this is like, there's a lot of people that when I first started talking about this, I was very open and I was very public about it. And my partner's a musician, so we come from quite like a a scene where we know a lot of people. And there wasn't too many issues initially. Like, I think I started speaking out around about 2017, 2018. There wasn't really many issues. A few people disagreed, but there were good discussions. And at gigs, people would come up and talk to me about it and tell me their stories. But there were pretty much no issues until last year or maybe till the year before. And I'm being a little bit sketchy about this because I am a little bit limited on what I can say at the moment because I'm getting some advice on what to do about it. But I do want to talk more. Yeah, and I do want to talk more, and I will be able to talk more soon, actually, but I just can't allude to who it is or say any names or anything like that. All I can say, really, is that people have gone after me for this, and they're going after me in such a monumentally vicious way. You would have thought that I was a murderer. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's over the top. It makes me angry, to be honest. It makes me really angry. But I see I see other people going through it, so I know I'm not the only one. No, you're not the only one, but it doesn't make it easy. Are, no. You know, I want, are you able to talk about um, what, like how it began without kind of naming names or being specific about who exactly it was that turned Yeah, you? well... I think it began with there was a false allegation that was made that I beat up somebody at a festival and it's somebody that I used to know. So that's where it began. And because the person identifies as trans, it became a rumour that I beat up a trans person. And the worst bit about this rumour is that everyone believed it. Nobody came to speak to me. And then some people knew us for years and never, ever came to us and said, is this true? I was one of the last people to find out that this rumour had gone around. And people to this day believe that it's true because it's never been publicly retracted. It has been privately retracted, but not to me. It's been privately retracted to other people. So, and I only found that out because people are stupid and they say everything online and they shouldn't really. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a pretty intense accusation like that's a, it's a really a, intense accusation yeah it, i would say i would say that accusation has ruined my life i would say that and that's where it started with people thinking that i'm capable of heinous things because they think that i've done a lot of things like there's there are accusations that i've been stalking and harassing and bullying several people and i haven't got time for that and not only that i've a lot of the people that are involved in this, I blocked them years ago. 
So not only have I not got time for that, but how would I be stalking and harassing people that I blocked and walked away from? It doesn't make any sense. And so these kinds of rumors that began circulating you and the kinds of things that have been said about you online, um, which are, I suppose, that you... I mean, I, I can guess that you've been called a transphobe or that you hate trans-identified people and all those things. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did that come about because of things you were saying online or because of your artwork or what happened? Do you know? I think my artwork, I think, first of all, the it, a lot of people are not happy because they believe the allegation that I beat somebody up. But then the artwork, I think, might have been... Well, it was definitely the thing that tipped a few people over the edge that went after me last year. And then ever since then, ever since those people have gone after me, um, it's just been constant. People um, people are just like sort of people that we've known for a long time that we thought were our friends don't want to talk to us anymore. Some people are angry that my fiancé won't disown me they want him to publicly disown me they want me to issue public apologies for my for my views and for apparently what i've done and people can't really make their mind up what it is i've done wrong so they're pretty vague about it they say things like oh it's the violence and the hatred but some people say it's nothing to do with my views it's just because i'm a vile person so i think what it comes down to is that people are trying to signal that they're not on our side so that they don't get the same treatment as me but they don't know exactly what it is i've done wrong so they're just going to say i'm a horrible person and that's Mm -hmm. what it comes down to Mm -hmm. and i think i sorry to interrupt i was going to say i've done a lot of thinking about what would happen if i cleared my name of the accusations against me and if i was proved to be right about this, which I am. I'm right about the fact that humans can't change sex and men are not women. Um, I don't think it would change anyone's mind. And I think um, some people would be as cowardly as to say it was never about her opinions anyway, if that makes sense. And I think that's going to be something that happens to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I find that usually these kinds of accusations are very vague and intentionally so because if they actually you know for example quoted something you or i or jk rowling or whoever the target may be um the quote would be pretty either innocent or you know a straightforward fact and either way not an attack and not hateful so i think that they do tend to either make things up i mean i've seen all sorts of crazy things said about me online um or they just say things like oh well she's she's hateful she hates trans people she's guilty of hate speech but they won't or you know she says that you know trans people shouldn't exist or something you know they're all intentional manipulations um and i mean i think it's 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 interesting that people have been harassing your fiance about you and you know whatever they've decided your views are 
Um, I, yeah. I was I read a little bit about what you wrote about that, and as you point out, you know it's quite sexist. First of all, it's like what is your your fiance is gonna abandon you because he suddenly realizes that you think that female bodies are female (laughs) and then on top of that it's like what is you know what is he is he supposed to tell you to shut up or tell you what you should yeah he's supposed to keep me in line he's supposed to keep me in line and make sure i don't misbehave that's what he's supposed to do um but i don't think he will he's very much sort of um he i've you know i've always advised him not to reply to these people because you're just taking the bait but he's very much of the mindset of why don't these people tell you to your face rather than come and tell me mm-hmm. you know and I think I think it says a lot that they're not going to come to me and say it but they'll go to him and say it mm-hmm. and they'll hold it over his head so a lot of it a lot of it is from audience members and I can't believe the entitlement of audience members from his gigs and his shows or fans or whatever it is you want to call them to actually say to him that I'm not going to buy your CDs anymore if you're still with her and things like that. It's like we've been together nearly 10 years. It's absolutely stupid to think that like someone we've met once at a gig that he's going to prioritize your view of me over what he knows of me. And people have said to him that he doesn't really, he doesn't know what I'm really like. That one gets me like, but I've met you five times and I've been with him for nine years. I think he knows what I'm like. Mm. It's, it's crazy, know. but there's this really sexist thing going on with it at the moment, actually, where he's spoken about... Where our relationship is talked about quite a lot. And he's spoken about as if he's, like, a really great guy and really good guy, which he is. And I'm just this evil monster and they can't believe that I would be with him that a lot of people say openly say things like he can do better than her and they'll say it publicly despite the fact that they've only met me once or twice and they will just openly say um i don't know what his view on this is oh maybe he's under the thumb i can't believe he's with her and things like that and a lot of people have alluded to or outright accused me of abusing him and said that he's too scared to denounce me because of what I'll do to him, basically. Well, they've not said it in those words, but they've alluded to it, that he's scared of me. So there's that um, emasculation of him as well, which I think is really sexist and quite nasty to go after his... Like, sort of go after his masculinity in terms of saying that he's under the thumb and he's scared of a woman. Yeah, and I think that's, like, a common sexist thing that people have done for for many years and it's just you know pretty revealing when people who think of themselves as really progressive or feminist people do it I mean if you think about like people like Courtney Love or Yoko Ono and and the way that people will talk about males who I don't know maybe have have outspoken female partners and it's like oh you know they're they're these manipulative evil witches and they're you know mind fucking these men and or you know abusing them or whatever um yeah and and just like you know as if the only reason he would stay with somebody 
like you who who says these things that are uncouth or not politically correct <laughs> would be because you're forcing him to like he doesn't yeah. choose for himself which i find really hilarious because most men you know most men that i know know very well what a man and a woman is of course they do like they don't need me to tell them <laughs> No, and they don't need to tell us either. They don't need to tell us what a woman is. No. Um, so tell me a bit more about the kind of art that you do. Um, I know that you've been doing you've been doing portraits of, of women quite a bit and you've been doing artwork around free speech. How long have you been doing that for? That's been just over a year. And how how have you been received? How has that art been received? <laughs> it's been um, interesting, I would say. It's um, not been obviously not been received well by people that were in my life um, because it's hateful and everything. Um, and some of the art has had mixed reviews on the feminist and gender critical side as well so some of the ones that got a bit of stick would have been Buck Angel I got a lot of stick for drawing Buck and I got a lot of stick for drawing Um, well because one of the emails I got said that Buck promotes transitioning and uh, by giving out the message that I've been given and then drawing Buck I'm giving mixed signals to teenage girls who might want to transition and I'm encouraging them to transition. So that was one of the... And then one of the other criticisms was that Buck supports the porn industry and therefore I shouldn't support Buck. So there is that one. And what about the... um, I mean, tell me your views about free speech, first of all. Have you always been an advocate for free speech? I think I have, but I didn't know. Because I remember, actually, quite a few years ago when I was... I think I was at a festival and I was talking to someone about free speech and I said that I think, you know, we should just... we Everyone should have the right to free speech. And somebody said to me, but not without consequences. And that stuck with me because I didn't know how to argue that point. So I just... I think the conversation ended. But that stuck with me because now I've realised that we do have, especially in the UK, we do have laws against things like defamation and slander or incitement to hatred. We do have laws around that and um, there are consequences to it. So when I say free speech, I mean the freedom to say what you think. That's what I think. That's what I think anyway. I could change my mind at some point, but I think I I don't think that we should be stifled in conversation. We definitely shouldn't be stifled online in what we say, especially when it comes to saying things that are true. I think it can get a bit tricky with free speech, though. What are the laws with that like in Canada? Are you similar to the UK? Um. I th- I think it is similar to the UK. Um, I mean, we don't... Our free speech isn't protected in the same way it is in the US. Um, the US is... The, the US has gone quite, like, 
all in on protecting free speech, haven't they? Yeah, which is great. Um, I think it's really good. I think it should be like that here. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And and then on top of that, we our our government, our liberal government. There's actually a federal election today. This is Monday. The podcast won't be out literally today, but and uh, if the liberals win, then our free speech will be even more at risk because they're trying to pass a number of bills regulating um, speech online, for example, and so-called hate speech. So if the liberals win. It, things will get worse. If the Conservative Party wins, we might have a chance to avoid further um, encroachment on our, our free speech. But the situation in Canada is not ideal. People are not as impassioned about protecting free speech as they are in the U.S., for example. I don't understand, because it's, it's similar here. People don't really give a shit about free speech. And um, there's a narrative now that anybody who cares about free speech is a far-right extremist, basically. And I don't understand it, because when I was growing up, and everybody, like my whole family are on the left, politically. So when I was growing up, everybody cared about free speech, and now nobody does. And especially not anybody on the left. Yeah, in Canada, nobody cares about free speech. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but few people do. It's... <laughs> I shouldn't say nobody either. <laughs> and I, I, to be honest, didn't think about it too much. And coming from the left, I think we interpret the term free speech as a sort of um, dog whistle for, as you say, right-wing views or libertarian views which I don't see as a bad thing anymore. You know, I don't I don't really care that much what people want to call me because first of all, usually it's not true, but also I'm not I'm not interested in attaching myself to any label including the left. So, I don't know. I mean, you can call me whatever you want, but free speech is a really important thing. So, if you think that's a right-wing thing, then I guess you like what you're handing over free speech to the right? Like it doesn't it doesn't make much sense to me but I, I, yeah in canada it's never been it's never been a huge thing and i think it has a lot to do with people being very comfortable and pretty privileged you know relative to the situation in other countries around the world where people haven't had to fight for the right to speak they haven't been threatened with death you know for publishing facts you know the way you know journalists are are killed in places around the world for reporting on things that they're not supposed to report on and so people take it for granted and assume that the government is just you know trying to protect people and keep them safe i guess from themselves or from dangerous words or ideas um and I find that um, kind of disturbing. I think it's absolutely mental because this is coming from people who claim to be sort of like anti-establishment, anti-government, and then they're calling for the government to control every aspect of our lives in that respect. When you start censoring speech, you're in turn, you're censoring thought as well. You're censoring the freedom to think for yourself. So then you're giving the government control over parts of your lives that they should never touch. Yeah, it's exactly. weird. Um, so did you have you found that your advocacy for free speech has come into conflict with 
maybe some of the radical feminists or gender critical women online. I don't know how people all um, define themselves, but has that come into conflict conflict with feminism? I'm not sure. I think there are some clashes in respect to, I think in the UK, because we have these hate crime laws, I think we should get rid of them. But the thing is, there's a lot of feminists that are advocating for misogyny to become a hate crime. And I understand why we would want that. But at the same time, I think hate crime laws are a slippery slope. And it's, it's similar to the hate speech thing. It's based on interpreting somebody's intent. But I don't know if you ever can interpret someone's intent intent and what would if we make misogyny a hate crime how would we police that it's because a lot of feminists are quite misogynistic sometimes as well so we'll just be arresting everyone i'm pretty sure i've probably been misogynistic at some point without even recognizing it well yeah i mean if we're talking about things like language then i've said lots of misogynist things and i'm sure many of us have (laughs) But uh, yeah, and uh, I've been treated in incredibly sexist and misogynist ways by feminists for sure online, um, and I mean I yeah I'm not I'm not in favor of those kinds of hate crime laws, but I also do I mean I understand why feminists would advocate for that, and it's because they want to stop misogyny clearly, but I don't think that I, I like you think it's a slippery slope so. I can't get behind those fights. Um, but I I, I, um, I guess I wonder what... How, how have you been impacted, um, either personally or politically, I suppose, by these this campaign against you? Um, okay, so... I'm the sort of person that if somebody tells me I'm not allowed to say that, I'll say it again Mm -hmm. because I don't like being told I'm not allowed to. But also, in terms of the impact on me personally, it has changed me. It really has. And I think people, especially people that know us in our lives and that have seen this going on they don't know how much it's impacted us because I don't really obviously I've not really seen anybody because there's been a pandemic and there's been this eternal lockdown that's been going on and off but also I haven't I don't go online and cry about it I don't go online and say oh this has ruined my life or whatever I want to, but I also recognise that it's not always the healthiest outlet to go online and tell people what's going on in your head or what's going on in your life. And also, I know that I am being watched. Everything I post is being watched and used against me. So I don't talk about how I feel and what it's, how it's impacted me, but it's definitely had a significant impact on me and it's definitely shifted me it's shifted me into a much more there's two things that are going on at once it's a bit like a juxtaposition so I'm more guarded than I've ever been but in some respects I'm more open than I've ever been so I'm more open to talking about anything and everything that's on the table to talk about to think outside of what I would ever have thought about 
on any topic but I'm also guarded in terms of protecting myself and protecting my life and not letting anyone know anything about me if that makes sense yeah I, I think so I mean I think I think for me like my experiences engaging online and and being attacked has made me like I'm definitely I'm a lot more open just because I don't feel that I have anything to hide and I don't enjoy not saying what I really think and being myself but at the same time I think I do have a lot tighter boundaries around who I talk to and who I engage with yeah same here same yeah. here. I used to on on things like Facebook. Obviously, Twitter's different, but on Facebook, I used to accept all the friend requests, and now I don't accept any. Yeah. And I got rid of so many people. It's just family on there now, and a few close friends, and maybe a handful of feminists and critical people that I had on there from before. But mainly, my Facebook feed is just people's fat babies, and yeah. and their dinners and their dogs and that's it and I don't really go on it to be honest because it's boring so yeah I've basically stopped using my private Facebook account and I don't accept I haven't for a long time accepted friend requests from people that I don't know Um, and same thing with my private Instagram account and I'm always sort of I guess confused that people aren't more guarded about that stuff but I suppose that's something maybe I've never I never used to be guarded about Facebook and now I look back and I think I should have locked that shit down the day I got it and just kept it to family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I crazy. Think, I think people need to be more private online than they are. I find it I find it weird even when yeah, when people just have public like I have a public Instagram account and a public Facebook account for my work. Um, but the stuff that I share about my private life is is private i don't want everyone knowing what i'm doing all the time or where i am and there's no reason for i don't know there's no reason for anyone to do that but i suppose of course that things are different when you are being targeted in the way that you have been in the way that i am and things like that Um, how's it been for you like is your targeting still going on is it um, ongoing? It's been better since or... I left Vancouver. Oh, really? <laughs> was it was it mainly local to you then? Because was... my a lot of my stuff is local, like the local arts community. Um, I don't know what that means, but apparently the local arts community are organising against me because I need to be stopped. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, I mean... don't know what that. I don't even know what that means, but. <laughs> They I mean, just want you to stop talking, or I don't know. It sounds kind of creepy to me, but uh, I, it's so creepy. I, uh, I mean, I've been targeted by people all around the world, but the part that's been the most stressful has been the local targeting because it's scary, yeah. first of all, and because often it's people I know or friends of friends. And so it just ends up feeling like a betrayal and you end up losing respect for a lot of people. And, you know, I've felt a lot of anger towards 
friends who've abandoned me because their friends Shame said it. they had to or whatever. Shame you know. it. I've had I've had very I've, I think me and you have probably had very very ex- ex- similar experiences. The difference between us is that I haven't really had a lot of random targeting from people that I don't know like from around the world or anything like that. Um, I don't know if that's because you have um established yourself for a lot longer than I have been trying to on Twitter and with my website. So you have a much larger following, but I don't get much abuse off of random people because, well, it's partly because I block them immediately. And which, do you know what's funny about me blocking them though, is that they say that I'm censoring them and infringing upon their free speech. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's a good argument, I thought. Um, But yeah, I... I block people immediately. I know within a couple of comments, sometimes within the first comment, I know if they're talking shit and they're just there to have an argument or to abuse me. So I don't allow it. I'm pretty good about blocking people straight away. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, to be honest, it's funny because I, I did an interview recently and, and people have asked me this before and they're like, what does it feel like to be so hated? And I'm like, I don't feel hated at all. I mean, most of the, you know, the emails I get, the DMs I get, the comments I get are all really supportive, you know, like, like 95% people are, are supportive. And then there's, you know, some random people who will send you nasty messages and you delete it or they'll leave a mean comment. But for the most part, that's not how I feel. And so, I mean, in the past, perhaps it was different, but today, I, I, you know, I felt that I've had a lot of support for a really long time, to be honest. And the most targeted I've been has been from other radical feminists lately, to be honest. Yeah, but we don't I've need to seen get into some that. of that. I've <laughs> but, seen some of that online. But it's I will, vicious. Yeah, it's it's really harsh. Um, but I will say that, yeah, like the, the part that's really gotten to be the most and made me feel the most upset and been the most stressful has been from, you know, my, my city, my community, my friends, friends of friends, same here. people that I know, like that's, that's the really awful. Yeah. That's part. the, that's the same here. Like knowing that I like the people local to me, the people that I've known for a long time, even the people that like used to come to my fiance's gigs and stuff knowing that they're all turning on us or at least it feels like they're all turning on us i don't know how accurate that is but knowing that that's going on has been the most detrimental i can handle random internet trolls all day long Mm. i don't really give a shit about them or what they think but it has hurt us hurt us both it's hurt me tremendously um what's been going on especially like i said earlier just people believing stuff about me or just even if you're just going along with it because you're a coward that makes me respect you even less and there's a lot of people i held in high regard that i just don't respect anymore and then it turned into i'm angry at them and then it turned into i'm disgusted with them so Mm -hmm. it went from i don't respect you anymore i'm really angry to you disgust me actually really make me feel sick because of some people that are being cowards about this sort of thing know better they know better they they know their shit they're intellectual and they're being cowards because they i don't know why i think it's just easier it's an easier life yeah yeah i i find that part really uh depressing um but um 
I, I've kept you on the line for a while, so I should let you go, but tell me, or tell our listeners perhaps how they can, how they can find you and, and your art and support you if they would like to. Okay, so my website is thefamousartistbirdyrose.com and I am the famous artist Birdie Rose on Twitter. Okay, <laughs> and you are the famous artist Birdie Rose. I actually am. And we need to, I need to talk to you at some point about doing some artwork for you. That's right. I said about it a long time ago. Maybe your listeners can help us come up with something for me to draw for you. I would love that. I hope that people have some ideas. I bet maybe you have some ideas. Um, but yeah, I love your, your artwork, so I would love that. And Thank you. I'm really glad that we finally got a chance to talk and do a, a podcast. I, again, I really, I really appreciate your, your views and, and the kinds of things you, you put out there into the world. Same with you. Same with you. I've been following you for a long time, so. Okay. Well, thank <laughs> you for talking with me today. Have a great night. That's all right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. You just heard an interview with Birdie Rose. You can find her online at thefamousartistbirdierose.com, on Twitter at thefamousartbr, or on Instagram at artistbirdierose. That is all the time we have for today. I'm Megan Murphy. Thanks for tuning in to Feminist Current. You can find us online at feministcurrent.com, tweet at us at feministcurrent, or send us an email at info at feministcurrent.com. We are hosted by Libsyn, and you can subscribe to the Feminist Current podcast anywhere you like to listen. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Spotify, and beyond. You can even give us five stars and a review on iTunes. Feminist Current is produced and hosted by myself, Megan Murphy, out of Vancouver, BC. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider making a donation to support our independent work. Just visit feministcurrent.com and click the donate button.